bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but, all, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscious sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is said before you, asking no questions for conscious sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat of it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscious sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Conscious, I say, not your own, but that, but that of the other. For why, for why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil? Spoken, for, spoken of for the food over which I give thanks. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense. Give no offense, either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the Church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Let's bow our head and uh, pray for the sermon. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning, time of worship that you've given us. As now we are going to learn from your word, give us grace that we may listen to what is being taught to us, imbibe that into our lives. Our Father, we thank you for the scripture that we just read. Bless the scripture, help us that we may learn from it. We pray for the speaker too. Give, give all grace, bless him, and fill him with the Holy Spirit that he may speak your words, that he may speak your thoughts, and that we, may, that we as listeners understand what is being told, and that, the, and, and that would be helpful for our lives. For we ask this in the, in the, in the worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Justin. Good morning, church. Good morning. 
just as Justin reminded us as he prayed, let us all sit with an attitude before the presence of the Lord and his word that the Lord would speak to us, uh, in particular toward this passage that Apostle Paul is saying, and what is it that we can learn and what is it that we can apply in our lives? Let that be our prayer, our desire as we hear from the word of the Lord today. I read this story about a pastor in a church who was taking a series of meetings, a series of messages he was preaching. And he had entitled his sermons, The Sins of the Saints. He entitled all of his messages, The Sins of the Saints. Now, Apparently, after a couple of classes, one particular member took offense because he was convicted by the message. But he objected that the pastor should not continue talking about the sins of the saints. So he walked up to the pastor and he said, you should not continue this topic. After all, the sin in the life of a Christian is very much different from the sin in the life of an unbeliever. Yes, that's true, said the pastor. It's much worse. Yes, that's true, said the pastor. It's much worse. You know, if you turn your attention to the portion of scripture that we read today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14 to chapter 11 and verse 1, Apostle Paul is dealing with a serious sin that was committed by the Corinth believers. Now, what was happening in this passage was that the believers at the church at Corinth would attend pagan temple sacrifices. They would attend the service at the pagan temple. Not only attend the service at the pagan temple, they would partake of the meal that was offered there while at the same time participating of the Lord's table. They would partake of the meal that was offered at the pagan temples, places that we are not supposed to go to, and at the same time, during the weekly meetings, they would come, sit in the presence of the Lord and participate of the Lord's table. I hope you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we looked at that passage, Apostle Paul is talking specifically about food offered to idols. Are we allowed to eat food offered to idols? Are we allowed to eat meat sold in the market? But in chapter 10, he's talking about being involved in pagan worship. He's talking about being involved, being involved in practices that is adopted by pagan temples. And you know what? Apparently, in this passage, or according to the Corinth believers, they thought that baptism and the Lord's table, participating in the Lord's table and baptism, allowed them to become immune to any sin committed by participating of the meal at the pagan temples. Let me say that again. Because they were saved as a result of salvation and that external faith of baptism because, uh, and baptism because they were part of the church and because they were regularly participating of the Lord's table, they thought that it was alright for them. If they went to the temple services and if they were part of those worship and it was alright for them to even eat of the food. Don't you and I sometimes think of that in the same way? Don't you and I say that just because we are saved, we know that we are baptized, we know that we come and we are part of Calvary Bible Fellowship, we participate of the Lord's table on a weekly basis. So it's alright that I am involved in other things, that I can do whatever else that I want to do. And I am immune to the consequence of any sin that could come as a result of being involved in all the affairs that are there of the church. But that is not rightly so. Now at, at Calvary Bible Fellowship, I'm 100% sure that nobody here goes to any pagan temple. Yes? 
Nobody here on the weekday goes to any temple and offers any sacrifice or eats any of the meal that is offered over there. And I praise God for that. But idol worship can so much so still be a part of my Christian life. Yes or no? Can I use my Christian freedom and abuse it to think that just because I am saved, I am on my way to heaven, it is alright irrespective of what else I do during the week. That's where the problem begins to creep into our church and that is where you and I need to be very careful. It is true and important that we must be born again, that we must be baptized, that we must be part of the church, that we must participate of the Lord's table. But it is also true that every other day that our life shows forth that Christ-like character in all that we do. Now let me just explain that to you very clearly from this context. Look at chapter 10, the same passage we had. We read, and I'd like to read verse 23 and 24. Chapter 10 and verse 23 and 24. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Now, everything is permissible. We saw that in the earlier chapter, chapter 6 as well. It looked to be the slogan of the church. That was the banner that was there placed in front of the Corinth church. Everything I do is permissible. That means it is acceptable that I behave however I want to behave. It is acceptable that I treat church however I want to treat it. And it is acceptable that I show my relationship to God in whichever way I want. That was the thought that was there in the mind of the Corinth believers. As long as I am saved, I can do whatever I want. I can come to church however I want. I can behave or treat every meeting of the church in whichever way I want to do. Nobody should have a problem with it. And that's the reason why, verse 23, Apostle Paul gives this principle. He says, yes, we have the freedom to do whatever we want. But everything that we do, he explains here, is not constructive. Is not profitable. Therefore, he gives this understanding to us that every born-again believer must only do that which is constructive. Every believer must do, must show forth through their character everything that would help build one another. That's why he says in verse 24, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Nobody should seek his good, but the good of others. So in all that we do, in the way we behave, in the way we talk, in the way we think, I must always ask myself, am I being constructive in the way I behave, in the way I talk, in the way I hold myself in this church? In all that I do, am I being constructive in my behavior to those that are in and around me? If not, all, constru- all behaviors that are not constructed, let me say, should be avoided. Let me say that again. All of our behavior that is not edifying, that is not profitable for anyone, that is not constructive to anyone, I, as a born-again believer, must avoid doing that. You know, the freedom that we have in Christ is for, for our use and it is not to be abused to do whatever we want to do. The freedom that we have in Christ allows us to do all that we can, but within the framework, within the guidelines that the Lord has set for us that can be found in the Word of God. And just as we saw in chapter 8, in chapter 10, verse 14, he talks about food offered to idols. 
You, you know what? There are three important areas that he is talking about. And listen very carefully. Follow along with me. You look at chapter 10 verse 14 to 22. He's talking about food and meat offered in the pagan temples. He's talking about meat and food that is offered in the pagan temple, inside the temple. Can a believer be part of the pagan rituals inside the temple? Is the question that he's asking here. 14 to 22. Verse 25 to 26, please look at your Bibles and open your Bibles with me. In 25 to 26, he's talking about food or meat offered in the market. Can a believer buy meat in the market? Should he be worried that that meat was first offered to an idol? Is it a problem? Can we stop buying meat? There's a good answer for that, okay, so let's not worry about that. Can we buy meat and be worried whether this meat was first offered to an idol? And verse 27 to 30, he's talking about food or meat offered at your friend's home. What if your friend, an unbeliever, invites you home? Can you go to an unbeliever's house? Could you eat of the meat that he puts in front of you, knowing that he does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? So, number one, food and meat offered in the pagan temples. Can a believer participate of that? Number two, food and meat that is offered in the market. Can a believer buy meat and be worried whether it was offered to the idols? And number three, can you go to your unbelieving friend's home and eat of the meal that is set in front of you? These are the three questions that Apostle Paul is asking. Now, before I answer the first question, I want us to look at the second and the third question. Let's look at the second and the third question. The second thing that Apostle Paul is teaching here is food or meat sold in the market. Should a believer be worried about meat in the marketplace, wondering if it was offered to idols? The answer is very clear. Look at verse 25. Eat anything sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So our conscience, our mind does not need to be bothered by food that we buy at the marketplace. Why? Because it's very clear from scripture here that nothing can contaminate what the Lord has made clean. When we go to the market, we don't need to be worried about the fact as if this, was, if this is offered to an idol or where did this come from. No, as long as it is fresh, it is perfectly alright for every born again believer to buy it. Why? Because it has already been made clean by God himself. What the Lord has made clean, nobody can contaminate. If you look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 15, Acts chapter 10 and verse 15, it says like this, The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. God has declared all food to be clean. God has declared all food to be clean, and because he has declared all food to be clean, you and I can easily eat of it. But how should we eat it? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 <coughs> and verse 4. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So when you and I eat of the meat, all that we need to do is give thanks to the Lord what is there in front of us. All of us, what we need to do is say, Lord, this meat has come from you. You are the one who's made everything and therefore we have nothing to worry about. Give thanks unto the Lord and participate without letting your conscience being affected. You remember in Psalm 24 and verse 1, how the psalmist himself says, the earth is created by God. Everything in the world belongs to him. And the reason why I'm quoting Psalm 24 verse 1 is to allow us to understand that the whole world was created by God to be enjoyed by man. 
You look at everything that is in and around you, my brothers and sisters. All of this is the creation of God so that you and I can enjoy it. You look at the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 1. God made the garden. God planted the trees, the fruit, everything. He even created the animals and he created man and he said, all that I want you to do while you take care of this is to enjoy. And what God has made, what God has made clean, nobody can contaminate or say that it is unclean. The scriptures very clearly teaches us to how God is the creator of the entire universe. Let me take a minute to remind you that again this morning. God is the one who created the sun, the moon and the stars. The entire planets, the stars that we cannot number, he knows by name, is what the scripture says. God who created the entire universe created man in his own image and likeness. And he breathed into man and man became a living being. And because God created man, God loves mankind to that, ex- to that extent. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, the Bible says, I, that means God, has loved you, that is each and every one of us, with an everlasting love. With an everlasting compassion and kindness, I have loved you. God loves every single person because he has made them. Not only that, God is preparing a place to receive unto himself those who have become his children. And all those who call upon the name of the Lord and enter into a personal relationship is awaiting a day when God will come back, take all those along with him to the place that he is preparing, a place that is called heaven. And that is the beauty of this creator God, a God who created the entire universe, a God who loves you and me. And any time you and I feel lonely, or any time you and I feel afraid, or any time you and I are overcome with sin, I want us to take a minute and ponder about the love of God. The love of God by which he created the whole universe. He created you and me. And he loved us in spite of our sin. So food that is offered at the marketplace, buy it, give thanks to God, and let your conscience not be affected, is what Paul says, and eat of that meat. Number two, what if an unbelieving friend calls you home? Let's look at what the Bible says in verse 27. Okay, if some unbeliever invites you to a meal, and you want to go, okay, that means if an unbeliever invites you to his house and he says, why don't you come and why don't we have McDonald's? Why don't we have something? I'll cook for you. What are you supposed to do? If you want to go, you can. But if you go, there is a criteria that is mentioned there. It says, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. If you go to an unbeliever's house, if he invites you, it is alright for a believer to go and sit and have a meal with that person. But if you do that, Don't start asking questions in your mind. Whatever is placed in front of you, give thanks unto the Lord and participate of that food. That's what the scripture says. I'm not making it up. It says it very clearly. Without raising a question of conscience in your mind, sit with your friend and participate of that meal. But then you look at what the next verse says. But if anyone says to you. Now this is talking about your fellow believer. For example... If an unbeliever calls me and somebody else from our, from our church and we go together. Now if my believing friend, if my fellow brother in the Lord is new in his faith. If he's just a young believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably he's coming from a pagan religion. He's left his pagan religion and now he's in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we both are going together for a meal to the unbelieving friend's home. 
And if they put this fruit, and look at what it says. If, an un, uh, if anyone says, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you, and for conscious sake. So for his sake, because he's new in the faith, because he says, Anna, I think that this is offered to an idol. Because he's growing in his faith, and he's not very sure, he's learning the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know an idol means nothing. I know that, but for his sake I avoid eating the food that is there. Does that make sense? That is what a believer is supposed to do. Why? Because more than the meat that is offered, no matter how delicious it might look, no matter how inviting it might look, no matter if the water in your mouth will start to increase, that doesn't matter. More than the meat that is placed in front of you, I must be concerned about the spiritual growth of my brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. I must never do anything to upset his relationship with the Lord. And if anything that I do with my believing friend, if any question comes in his mind by my behavior, I must avoid that and I must help him grow spiritually in his life. Verse 28, let's read that again. But if anyone, if your believing friend says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. Look verse 29. The other, man the other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. Okay, we are talking about the conscience of your fellow believer. We must avoid all things that we do. Now, we are talking about food in this passage because that was what the Corinth believers were involved in. But let's talk about ourselves. We can expand food to anything and everything. Let's think about it. Our behavior, the way we talk, the place that we stand, the, 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 the things that we do with our friends. If there is anything that I do that would cause a doubt in the mind of my believer in the Lord, I would rather not do it. Because more than that, more than anything else, I, you, we should be more concerned about his spiritual growth. Now let me say it in this way and listen to me very carefully. A believer must never alter his conscience according to the situation or circumstance. But sometimes a believer needs to alter his behavior. You understand what I'm trying to say? You and I might have a lot of beliefs and we might hold on to those beliefs and that's great. We don't have to change our, our, our motives, our conscience. This is what I believe from scripture and this is what I will hold on to. But sometimes according to situations and surroundings, you and I need to change our behavior. Why? Because the spiritual growth of my brother is much more important. Or as Apostle Paul says in chapter 8 and verse 13. Look at chapter 8 and verse 13. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I find it very difficult to read that following part, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fall. Therefore, if what I eat or what I do for the sake of my brother, I will even become a vegetarian is what Paul says. We can argue about that later. You know? But that's exactly the idea of that passage here. Because more than anything else, with my behavior, if, if, if what I do will cause some doubts in the mind of my brothers and sister, I would rather not do it. I would rather not do it. Let me just give us a simple example. Suppose you go to a store and you find a, 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 a sweater. Okay, and there's nothing wrong in buying a sweater. But if the sweater has a picture of a huge skull here, there's nothing wrong with a picture of a skull on a sweater. It might look cool. But I wouldn't wear that sweater on a Sunday morning and walk into church. Because that skull means nothing to me. A sweater means nothing to me. But I have to think about the mind of others as well. 
And if what I wear, what I do or how I behave is going to cause doubts in the mind of others, I would rather remove that sweater and keep it at home. I know some of you are thinking, why would you buy the sweater in the first place? I get that. But I hope you're trying to understand what I'm trying to say. I would be careful about how I behave in the church because I'm restating that again. My brother's or my sister's spiritual growth is much more important to me than anything else. So food that is offered in the market, buy it without any problems, give thanks and eat of it. If your unbelieving friend calls you, go and sit and have a meal with them. Give thanks unto the Lord. But if there is someone with you who might not be spiritually strong like you, be very careful how we behave in terms of food or behavior or other sorts. And now we come to the first question that was asked by Apostle Paul. Can a believer partake of the pagan sacrifices in the temple? What do you think is the answer? Can we say it together? A little more louder? A Christian can never behave, a Christian can never participate of the pagan sacrifices that belongs to the world. And how do we know that? Verses 14 to 24. And look at what Apostle Paul says here clearly. Verses 14. Therefore, my dear brothers, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. You look at chapter 6 and verse 18, Apostle Paul reminds us where he says, flee from immorality. So, you know, fleeing from immorality and idol worship is what Jesus, God, desires of every born-again believer here. It is not possible for you and me to participate in the sacrifice of pagan worship and come on Sunday and participate of the Lord's table. It is impossible. Why? Because God has entrusted that we must flee from these things. And who is God talking to? Look at verse five, verse 15. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. In the original translation, he's saying, I'm speaking to people who have common sense. And as it is true, we all know that common sense is not very common today. And that's the reason why many believers fail in this place. We ask ourselves questions. Am I allowed to do this or am I allowed to do that? You know what? None of us, again, none of us go to a pagan temple to offer worship. But aren't there places that we go and stand, people that we hang out with, that we are not supposed to hang out with? I don't want to give names to those places because that is not true to the text here and I don't want to say anything that's wrong. Again, you are sensible people. You have common sense. Judge according to the wisdom given to you by God. When we go to a particular place with our friends, we need to ask ourselves, what is the atmosphere here that I'm standing in? I need to be very careful. Judge for yourselves because we are all sensible. At least all of us have the ABCD understanding of the scriptures. Nobody needs to stand here and say, you can't go there, but you can go here. You are not allowed to stand there, but nobody needs to say that. You and I know. Therefore he says, flee from all of these things because you have the common sense. Use your kidney once once in a while, Apostle Paul says. And therefore, you and I will prevent ourselves from making mistakes. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves. Use our common sense. During the week, where do we hang out? Where do we go? What do we do? You know what? Even if we believers get together and we spend time together, I think we need to be careful with what we talk and how we behave. If it's just fun and laughter and we pull each other down. and I don't, I don't want to say that that's demonic, but that's definitely not the spirit of the Lord. You get what I'm trying to say? We need to be careful where we go and who we hang out with and what we exactly do. 
probably i could think that nobody here in church knows where i hang out with or who i hang out with and nobody is keeping tabs here all of us might think the same but there is somebody who watches there is somebody who knows and there's somebody who's very very much concerned about how we behave and what we do and how we show ourselves to be participants in pagan worship pattern systems cultures of the world why we should not be part of all of these things verses 14 and 15 because god has instructed us to flee from all of these things you think of the best example that the scripture could ever teach us is the example of the people of israel how many times have they gone into bondage did they learn a lesson no because every time they would come back from their bondage they would bring the cultures from that bondage to the people of israel they would teach these things they would say you know what i learned along the way that it's great for us to sacrifice our children to idols let's do that let's bow down before the cow but wasn't it moses we don't know where he is but let's bow down and that's how the culture of these pagan nations came to the people of israel and over and over and over again the people of israel went into bondage and every time they would cry god would deliver they would come out they would rejoice but they would go back again why because that was so attractive and that is true of you and me as born again believers as well that even though we are here right now during the other times of the week we are somewhere else places and peoples and doing things that we are not supposed to do we can always fool each other but we can never ever full god verse 16 to 18 is talking about the other reason why we cannot participate of these pagan rituals is because we are all participants of the lord's table look at verse 16 to 18 is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks our participation in the blood of christ and is not the bread that we break our participation in the body of christ because there is one loaf we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one loaf the cup which reminds us of the blood of the lord jesus the bread which reminds us of the body of the lord jesus is taken by us because we are one in the lord jesus christ we partake only of one cup we partake only of one loaf and it reminds us of that relationship that fellowship that we have with this one lord the lord and our savior jesus christ and if you and i are in a relationship we worship we praise one god we cannot spend the remaining time that we have with the people of this world we cannot enjoy their fellowship we cannot enjoy going with them and doing what they want to do because we are all participants here therefore the unity that we have in christ has no place for paganistic rituals has no place for idol worship and has no place for ungodly practices do we prepare ourselves before we come to participate of the lord's table we remind everybody yes how we should participate but do we prepare ourselves do we examine ourselves in the light of what the scripture says and if there is anything that is there in us do we actually take care of it before we partake if anybody it says in first corinthians chapter 11 if anybody participates in an unworthy manner he drinks judgment on himself And that's why we have godly elders here who observe our lives and if they see anything that is wrong in us they instruct us and imagine what a great responsibility they have and how submissive we must be to them and in our relationship to the lord you know the easiest thing that we can do today when we don't feel everything is all right with us we just abstain from the lord's table right do we talk to somebody before we even do that 
Just because our week was not right or our relationship with the Lord, do we at least talk to anybody about it? Do we tell anybody that I'm struggling with something? Would you pray with me? Would you teach me the word of God? Because I feel that my relationship with the Lord is not right. We cannot walk with the standard of this world, my dear friends. Why? Because we participate of the Lord's table. Why should you and I not be involved in idol worship? Why should you and I not be involved in places, in things, in doing things that the world does? Number one, because we need to flee. Number two, because we participate of the Lord's table. Number three, verse 19 to 20. It's very simple. I don't have to explain it. Do I mean that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. Apostle Paul says, and sacrifice to an idol means nothing. Idol in itself absolutely means nothing. It has no significance in the life of a believer because it is made out of stone or wood and it cannot hear, as it says in Psalms. It cannot speak. But you look at verse 20. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So why you and I cannot walk in accordance to the standard of this world or be involved or be at places that we are not supposed to be in? It's because when they come together, they do not worship God, but they worship Satan. They give glory to Satan. So that all that they do there are demonic in nature. And isn't it true of certain places that, again, I don't want to name it, but you know what I'm talking about. When we go to those places, there is no place of God there. There is no talk of God there. And should I, as a born-again believer, be part of that? Even though it might seem attractive to me as a young believer in the Lord? No, because you and I cannot participate with demons and cannot participate in the Lord's table at the same time. Are we trying to arouse the jealousy of the Lord? Are we trying to make him angry? Are we trying to justify before God, Apostle Paul says, that it is okay, God, that it's perfectly fine for me to do all of these kind of things? Because because I know I'm on my way to heaven and nothing can take me out of heaven. Therefore, I know that I'm getting there As long as I'm getting there, whatever I do along the way is perfectly fine. No, that's absolutely not allowed by any born-again believer. So in the basis of all of these things, what should you and I do? In the basis of eating meat offered to idols or pagan worship or, or, or going in accordance to the standards of this world, what should you and I do? Verse 31 to chapter 11, verse 1. Very clearly, it's mentioned over there. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever we do, no matter what it might be, wherever I go, we ask ourselves that simple question. Am I doing it for the glory of God? If you look at verse 32 and the last part, there it says, For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Let me explain that. That's the meaning of this phrase, do for the glory of God. Do for the glory of God means so that what I do, it will be for the good of many, and through that also, some may be saved. It's talking about the two groups of people that we come across to. Believers. That what I do will be for the good of the believers, and even if I come across unbelievers, that through my behavior, they will be, come on louder, they will be, that through my behavior, they will see that Christ lives in me, they will ask me about Christ who lives in me, I give that opportunity to share the gospel, and they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Other than this, my brothers and sisters, 
we should not be involved in anything else that i am either investing in the life of a believer in my church or i am investing my life in the life of an unbeliever in my church that what i do will be for the good of others and for those who are not saved i will be a beacon for the gospel into their lives that is how you bring glory to god that is how you bring glory to god when you edify your brothers in the lord you bring glory to him not only that when you bring sinners to repentance you give glory to god that is the meaning of the phrase do all that we do for his glory number 2 verse 32 do not cause anyone to stumble with the jews greek or the church of god do not stump cause anybody to stumble that's very simple i don't have to explain that how can i be very careful of from uh, to stay away from idol worship by making sure that all that i do in the church will not cause anybody to stumble can somebody read for me romans chapter 14 was 19 to 21 Romans chapter 14 was 19 to 21 can somebody read that for me It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to stumble. I will never in my behavior cause anybody in my church to stumble. That should be our prayer. That should be our desire. So number 1, we should do all that we can for the glory of God, for the believers edification, for the unbelievers salvation. Number 2, we should never become a stumbling block for anyone. Number 3, and quickly, chapter 11 verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of christ do i need to explain that follow the example of the lord jesus christ let me ask you did jesus christ hang out with the unbelievers in fact somebody complained saying that always at every time you are only with with them but when jesus hung out with the unbelievers they never influenced him yes or no rather because he was with them it caused change when he went to a short guy's home he said jesus because you are here this is what i'm going to do i'm going to do this i'm going to sell if i've cheated anybody i'm going to give back and then he said today salvation has come in his house that's what we should do as believers follow the example of the lord jesus because in spite of the fact that he hung out with people in spite of the fact that he was in certain places there was always a tremendous change people started to get very uncomfortable because they knew that he was different and that's why apostle paul says follow my example because i follow the example of the lord jesus christ and what better example than the lord jesus and what he did for wretched sinners like you and for me isn't it true that we were once part of the pagan worship yes we were once in darkness and sin remember remember i reminded you from scripture about how god created the entire universe and god prepared a place and that place is called heaven and all those who are the children of god will be taken to that place but because of sin the bible says that because of the sin of one man we were reminded from scripture today by our dear brother because of the sin of one man all of us fell in our sin and our shame and christ was the best example of the love of god my dear brothers and sisters can i ask you for a moment to just look at the table 
Because this table reminds us of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The example by which Jesus came into this world to die for the sins of the entire world. So that anybody, even those who are listening to me right now, if there is anybody sitting here who has not yet accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, can I ask you to look at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ? How can you become a child of God? The Bible very clearly, simply states, wherever you are seated, whatever condition your heart may be right now, all you need to do is open your heart and ask the Lord Jesus to come inside. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and commit your life to him. And if anybody makes a decision like that today, the Bible says to those who call on the Lord, to them he has given them the privilege to be called his children. To all of us who are born again believers, I praise God for you. But, but what about our spiritual lives, my brothers and sisters? Is there idol worship in us? Are we involved in pagan rituals of this world? Do we follow with the footsteps that the world is walking in? Do we hang out with our friends and do we do things with our friends that we think is completely alright? No! We must flee from these things. We must not participate of the pagan worship and be participants of the Lord's table. That is not possible. Because what connection is there between God and Belial is what the scripture says. Can I encourage you just for a minute to close your eyes and bow your head? Because we're going to pray and close. The reason I'm asking you to close your eyes and bow your head is so that you will think about your life right now. I don't know the condition of your heart. But I do know that the Lord that we speak about knows the condition of your heart. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, is there anybody sitting here who has not yet received or enjoyed the sweet fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe did the Bible remind you today that you were born as a sinner? Do you believe that God was the one who made you, loved you? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin? And if there is anybody sitting like that, can I ask you, would you be willing to open your heart and accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? My brothers and sisters, those of us who call on the name of the Lord, those of us who participate of the Lord's table, those of us who say that we are born again believers, is there idol worship in my life? Is there pagan rituals in my life? Do I run after the things of this world? Am I at places that I'm not supposed to be at? Am I with people that I'm not supposed to be with? Do I do things that I'm not supposed to be doing? Let us understand and confess and re-surrender our lives to the Lord. Whatever it is that you want to pray and set things right, you can do that right now. And then after that we will pray and we will close. Father God, we thank you that he that is in us is far greater than he that is in the world. Father, you have already defeated Satan. But we apologize and we confess that many a times we find the world attractive. We find the paganistic rituals of the world to be very, very grand. Many a times we've run behind them, Father, and we've fallen in sin, not knowing how to get up and come back. But we thank you for the grace that comes from God. And we freely accept that grace. Lord, we want to pray for each other. Enable us to help each other, Lord. Enable us to grow in our spiritual life and in all that we do also. Enable us to always be careful of my brother and my sister's spiritual growth more than my ego, more than my good. Enable us wholeheartedly to unite ourselves and to understand that we are here to help build each other. Thank you for everything that you've blessed us with. Father, Lord, we pray that you would come back today. If you are to come today, what a joy it would be for us because we will be with you in your presence today and forevermore. But if you are to tarry for one more week, enable us, Lord, till we come together again 
to examine our lives in, in the light of all that we've heard. Take all the glory, the praise and the honor. For we ask all of this in the name of our soon coming Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ.